You're listening to a podcast from Columbia Christian Fellowship in Columbia, Pennsylvania. Our services are weekly at 10 a.m. We hope to see you there. I just wanted to say a public thanks to Josh for filling in for me last week. Excellent job. I heard positive feedback all week from that message. And, and uh, many of you have spoken for me here at this pulpit, and you've all done tremendous jobs. Thank you. Now, if you'll stand with me, we'll have the reading of the word. Just a minute, wait till they're all ready. It's Acts chapter 6, and it's verses 8 through 15. Jackie? Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. But one day, some men from the synagogue of free slaves, as it was called, started to debate with him. They were Jews from Cyrene or Cilicia, and Alexandria, Caesarea, and the province of Asia. None of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen spoke. So they persuaded some men to lie about Stephen saying, we heard him blasphemy, Moses and even God. This rose the people, the elders and the teachers of religious law. So they arrested Stephen and brought him before the high council. The lying witnesses said, This man is always speaking against the holy temple and against the law of Moses. We have heard him say that Jesus of Nazareth will destroy the temple and change the customs Moses handed down to us. At this point, everyone in the high council stared at Stephen because his face became as bright as an angel. Thank you. Very good. Let's just take a moment and pray. I don't know if you have felt it or not, but there's been a lot of pushback today on this gathering. It started very early on, number of reports, observations that I've seen. I'm not really sure why. I didn't see this message as something, anything out of the ordinary, but there has definitely been a lot of pushback. Let's pray. Father, we just praise your name, and we acknowledge that you are, you have unequaled greatness. There is none like you. There is none beside you. There's none that can stand in your way. There's none that can throw obstacles in your way. And we know that you are completely in control. Nothing is happening this morning that is out of your control. Nothing that you didn't allow and you plan on working great good out of it. You always work like that. So we want to acknowledge you as we proceed on and we say out loud, we will not be deterred. We will not be stopped. We're going to press into the fullness of what you have for us this morning, and we leave all the other stuff into your capable hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Join me in that prayer, will you? Just join me in that prayer and believe for it. You may be seated. Maybe there is something significant about this message more significant than I, than I realized it was going to be. This is a long passage. Jackie only read the first seven or eight verses. 
It runs from Acts 6, 8 all the way to the end of chapter 7. Today's only the introduction to this passage. Barry, we lost the iPad again. This is only the introduction to this large passage. We're just going to cover those, those first eight verses. Thank you, Lord, for Barry and his technological skills. Yeah, let's acknowledge Barry. Thank you, sir. Okay. Thanks, Barry. This sermon is going to fall under the, the category. You know, God's been speaking to me two phrases. Shepherd your flock. That's a lot of people ministry, counseling, personal or small group, one-on-one small group. And then the second phrase is prepare this church to receive the harvest or to receive or be prepared for this coming move of the Holy Spirit. This is another sermon that falls under that prepare your church for the coming move of God. And it's another to be forewarned is to be forearmed. We're going to be forewarned again today of something that may be coming, and we want to be forearmed. The title is just simply the story of Stephen, and it's an introduction because it's all about Stephen. I mean, it's all about Jesus, but the passage is all about Stephen, who, who refers to Jesus. Stephen's the main character. The entire passage revolves around and involves Stephen, so it's the story of Stephen. An alternative an alternate title, though, could be Good News, Bad News because of the up and down nature of what's happening. There's good news, but then, and we've seen that. We've seen that in that passage. We've seen that in our own lives. And I want to say something again to us because many of us are, are making significant strides forward in our Christian life. Are you with me? That's a good place for an Amen. Many of us are making strides forward in our Christian life. We're never as susceptible to the enemy's attack as when we're having good success. We let our guards down. I'm pleading with you, be careful. Be on your guard. And for myself as well. There's good news, there's good news. It looks like everything's just going to be great. And, but then, see it all through the book of Acts, at least up till this point, and probably beyond. So we're going to begin with the good news, some good news, and then we're going to take a look at the bad news, and then we're going to flip back to good news again. Remember, we're coming off of Acts chapter 6, verse 7. God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. Just a word, if, if you're following any kind of Christian news, this is happening in the world. Not so much right here yet, but this is happening in the world. This move of God has begun. God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased. Many of the Jewish priests even were converted. Things are good Things are good again following the latest release of the apostles from their arrest and their imprisonment and their flogging. The church is back to full momentum. Things are popping. Many folks are getting saved. I long for that day. Do you long for that day? 
And be honest with me, do you long for that day when many people are getting saved and finding their way in here? Maybe getting saved through us and we're bringing them in here. That day's coming. The church is growing again after that little glitch with the arrest and the flogging. and So that's good news. And... Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, was performing amazing miracles and signs among the people. The news is is still good as we move into Acts 6, 8. And Luke now begins to spotlight Stephen. It was Peter pretty much up till now, and Peter and John. And in this chapter and chapter 7, the spotlight's on Stephen. The Lord is doing amazing things through him. Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. And if you remember, we were introduced to Stephen back during the food distribution crisis that hit the church. Select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Everyone liked this idea. The church liked that idea. It was going to settle the dispute. It was going to heal the division and the rift. So they chose the following, Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. The apostle's solution to the food distribution was for the congregation to select seven reputable men. Stephen seems to be the first man they chose. He seems to be the top of the list, the first go-to. And it says that he was a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. So just a side FYI for your information. Stephen was not an apostle. So what's so significant about that? Like what? Barry? Like why do I even bring that point up? And I have to wait until Barry comes up before I go on with that. So four easy steps. Or I should say four steps. So Stephen was not an apostle. Why do you even bring that up, Pastor? Well, here's why. It's for those who think that God only works or worked supernaturally mighty acts through the original 12 apostles. That is a teaching in some circles of the church, you know. It was done once. It was done then by the apostles. And when they died, it ceased. Well, Stephen was not an apostle. He was not one of the original 12. This teaching is very damaging because it keeps the rest of us from ever stepping out. I'm not an apostle. I'm not one of the original 12. I'm relegated to a much lesser powerful, lesser estate Christian life. And that's the way much of the church lives today in our generation. Remember a few weeks ago we said unbelief can greatly hinder God. Jesus could only do a few miracles in his hometown because of their unbelief. But unbelief isn't you sitting there saying, I'm not going to believe this. Unbelief is that kind of thing that, or the thing that creeps into us from that kind of teaching. Do you follow that? It's a very damaging teaching that the gifts and the supernatural works of God, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that it all ceased 
at some point back then. Well, what do we got then? Oh, maybe we don't need it as much today. What do you think about that response? They needed it, we don't. Have they looked around our, our world and our nation? Keeps us from stepping out. It keeps us from ever expecting God to use us mightily. Stephen was not one of the original 12 apostles. He was an ordinary believer, which is what Jackie was saying. He was an ordinary believer. He was an early convert from Judaism to Christianity. Now listen. He may very well have been in that crowd at Pentecost who heard Peter's sermon and cried out, what must I do to be saved? Then he must have fully committed to what he heard and matured quickly because four chapters later, he was the first guy selected to oversee the food distribution of the church. And, and I want us to get this, even as he served in the food bank ministry, a very practical ministry concerned with meeting the earthly needs of folks. Even as he was fulfilling his responsibility and his duties there, God performed amazing miracles and signs among the people through him. See, honestly, if I could just be blunt, you don't expect that to happen out in your workplace and in your neighborhood or when you're working at the food bank or you're involved in ministry. And unfortunately, neither do I. But that's part of the big problem. We don't expect that. I'm here serving food, and that's a great thing, and that's about the extent of it. And we don't expect God to move mightily in that situation and touch someone and heal them or maybe multiply the food when it's running out. And our unbelief, I believe, is hindering God from moving mightily through the church today. Is anybody with me in this? We were just somewhere yesterday, Deb and I. It's kind of, I've kind of lost it, but oh, there was a man in the grocery store that came up to me out of the blue. I don't know him from anybody. And he said, what did he say, Deb? My wife, I lost my, my wife is in a wheelchair and she's <laughs> 10 years ago and then he pointed to some lady that was in a wheelchair. And I just stood there and looked at him. And after he walked away, I said to Deb, did we just miss an opportunity? Because there's no way I believe God would have used me to heal her or lift her out of that wheelchair. She's still in that wheelchair today, and maybe she would have still been in that wheelchair if I would have said something, but we'll never know, will we? I'm not really sure what to say about that. All I know is as these guys went about life, God performed, all right, four easy steps. Oh, it was a different play. Anything to confuse us. That, I think we should actually get him up here. So the point we were making and we're going to move on is even as Stephen was going about his mundane food bank ministries, 
God was using him, performing signs, wonders, miracles through him. I think we can take great encouragement from that. God may just use us like he used Stephen. Actually, he is going to in these days ahead for those who are willing to believe. You'd like that, right? I'd like that. Could you imagine us coming into church on Sunday? If I would have prayed for that lady and she got out of that wheelchair, could you imagine how I would have come into church today? Maybe I wouldn't. I probably would have started Hub Smith's Healing Ministries. Yes. Yeah, that's why I'm not a big fan of people who name their ministries after themselves, seriously. Ordinary folks doing extraordinary things. That reminds me of a verse that we've heard a lot about in church these days. Do we have a problem with the internet today? I did a good thing. I did a good thing. So it reminds me of this verse. I tell you this timeless truth. Don't, try not to lose this by all of this inter, inter, interruption. I tell you this timeless truth. The person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles that I do, even greater miracles than these because I go to my Father. These are Jesus' words. Let that speak to you. Father, would you release faith through your word into us as we read these things that just seem like utterly beyond us? And yet we see it in an ordinary man, Stephen, in the scripture. See, the NIV says, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I am doing. Now, listen to this and don't miss this. We're looking for criteria. So who's the one who can do the same mighty works or God uses to do the same mighty works that Jesus did? What's the criteria for that? I see one criteria listed in there. It's to the one who believes or the one who has put their faith in Jesus. Anyone, all who have come to Christ and are followers of him are in this category to be used by God. That's you. That is you. And that's me. Ordinary believers doing extraordinary things by the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus to the glory of God our Father. Like Stacy said, you got to stay humble. If God uses you to, to heal somebody, don't go out and start Chris Firestein Ministries or Joe Fleckenstein Ministries. Just fall on your knees before God and thank Him that He used you to minister to a precious soul. For those who can believe, for those who are willing, we just may see some of this in the days ahead. You all know who Ernest P. Worrell is, don't you? Anybody know who Ernest P. Worrell is? All right, this is getting ridiculous. Somebody pray over this, please, while I work on this. Steve, will you stand and pray over this? Thanks, Steve. So just at a crucial point, an illustration from Ernest P. Worrell. How many know of Ernest P. Worrell? Is this even going to mean anything to anybody? Two? Okay. We'll just move on then. Stephen must have somehow grasped onto this teaching of Jesus, and we see the results here. So what's happening through Stephen is good stuff. We're going to focus on good stuff. But then. 
But one day, some men from the synagogue of freed slaves, as it was called, started to debate with Stephen. The situation is about to change. It's about to go from good to bad. It seems like as soon as they build up momentum in this church, rumble strip. What is really going on here? The NLT translates that word, Greek word, debate, and, and that's good. But it doesn't capture the whole feel of it. That's why I love that there are so many translations, reputable translations. When you research a verse in several versions, you get a more complete picture of what's actually being said. And the reason for that isn't because translators missed it. It's because the Greek language is so rich and the English language is so limited. They have a hard time really capturing the feel when they bring it from Hebrew or Greek over to English. So let's look at what this actually means. The NLT uses the phrase, they started to debate with him. Okay, well, that doesn't seem too bad. They just wanted to discuss what's going on here. The NIV uses the phrase, opposition arose. All right, that's, that's a little more intense. That paints a different picture. Their intention wasn't to debate and discuss, but to oppose. King James Version uses the phrase, disputers arose. Uh-oh, this is even stronger yet. They were intending to dispute. They were intending to disagree with Stephen. The thought here being is they were intending to get aggressive and disruptive. They didn't want to just, Stephen, explain to us exactly what you're saying. There's malicious intent, and now we're starting to see it through the various translations of that Greek word. The Passion Translation, which if you haven't got a hold of that, it's a great new version. It uses the phrase, they all confronted Stephen to argue with him. Now you can see it's becoming confrontational. And finally, in the message, uses the phrase, they went up against him. And they tried to argue him down. They tried to put him down, bring him down in front of the crowds. It was clear they were out to get Stephen. You got that? Seems like as soon as things are going good, there's a but then. And the situation is going quickly from good to bad and now bad to worse. They persuaded some men to lie about Stephen, saying, we heard him blaspheme Moses and even God. Now this roused up the people, the elders and the teachers of religious law. They arrested Stephen, and they brought him before the high council. These poor guys, they cannot stay out of jail. They can't stay out of the council chambers. You didn't know that our early fathers of the church were actually ex-cons and felons, did you? In verses 13 and 14, more of the same. The lying witnesses said, this man is always speaking against the holy temple and against the law of Moses. We've heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth, oh, oh. See, now we're getting to the real issue. It's not Stephen, and it's not what he's been saying. It's Jesus. Right, Art? We've heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy the temple and change the customs that Moses handed down to us. Of course, these things are not true at all. They're just lies. They're more lies. But see, now the damage is done. Think twice before you ever say something negative about another person. 
Because once you say it, even if you get convicted and, and go and ask their forgiveness, the damage is done. Once those words are out of your mouth, you can't get them back in. And here's the problem. They found a, an Achilles heel for Stephen. Moses and the temple were very important to the Jews. See, when they arrested Peter and John and, and, and Peter earlier, it was just all about Jesus, and they were getting at Jesus. But the crowds, they wanted to hear more about Jesus. But Jewish, the Jewish culture was extremely jealous of their temple and of the law of Moses. And so now these lying witnesses are saying, Stephen attacked the temple. Stephen attacked the law of Moses. So now the crowds that were favorable are beginning to come against Stephen. The council is now gaining great momentum and favor with the people. They found a way to bring the people, the political culture, the political climate of the day, bring it over to their side. They had been losing it to this new church. I mean, it makes me furious. I'm going to speak to that. Public favor is now swinging to the council. A word of application for us. Injustice, being falsely accused, being lied about, that is one of the toughest things to bear. Especially when others believe that it's true about you. And all you want to do is defend yourself. You want to defend your name. You want to make sure the truth gets out. But this, snow, this, ball, this snowball is now rolling down the hill, and there's no stopping it. Unfortunately, word to the wise, to be forewarned. I hate this, but I have to say it. This is a common strategy of Satan against God's people. Are you hearing me? This is a common strategy of Satan against God's people. I don't want to spend too much time on him at all. We're taught to have a Christ consciousness, not a demon consciousness. I just want to say enough that we will not be ignorant of who he is and how he operates. This is who Satan is. Jesus speaking to the same religious leaders that are now persecuting the apostles. For you are the children of your father, the devil. And you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning, Cain and Abel. He, was always, he has always hated truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character. He is a liar and he's the father of lies. Wow. This is what we're up against. There's no mercy in Satan. Don't expect any tender mercy or cut me a break from Satan. He's out for one thing, to kill, rob, and destroy. And if God would let him, he'd take you out in a moment because you're a believer. You're a follower of Christ. You're sitting here alive and healthy because of the mercy of God. Because Satan would see it otherwise. Steve. We got our own Stephen. This is who Satan is, and know this, this is who those who follow him and serve him are. 
They're just like him. Scripture talks about the demonic. We know about that. It also talks about the evildoers, and that's referring to on the earthly plane. There are those who operate out of Satan's nature and his character. That's what Jesus was telling those religious leaders. You're like your father, the devil. And when those folks get in leadership, woe to the nation. When the righteous are in charge, the nation flourishes. Righteousness exalts a nation. But when evildoers under Satan's bidding are running a nation, the nation is in trouble. His strategies always involve lying, dishonesty, untruth, falsehood, deceit, deception, fabrication, propaganda, misrepresentation, distorting the truth, and so on. This is the realm. This is the dark realm in which he operates. There is no truth in him, Jesus told him. There is no truth in him. If he does speak the truth like he spoke Scripture to Jesus, after he saw Jesus was going to respond to him with, it is written, then he changed his tactic and he said, but Scripture also says, but it was distorted. It wasn't true Scripture. It wasn't the truth. Are you with me? This is what we're up against as the church in this day. This gets us so mad, right? Injustice. We cry, that's not fair. That is not fair. Satan does not play fair. Don't expect any tender mercies or cutting slack from him. If he has you down, he will kick you while you're down. We're going to see at the end of Stephen's story, I don't want to give it away, most of you probably know it, But we're going to see at the end of Stephen's story, if you don't know it already, this is not a game. This is serious. Satan plays for keeps. We're not in a game. We've never been. But especially these days, it's become apparent. We're not in a game. The times in which we live are serious times, urgent times. Lost souls, precious souls hang in the balance. That's Satan's ultimate prize to cause as many human beings to end up in the lake of fire with him as possible. He knows he's going there. If you truly know the Lord, he knows you're not going there. But that doesn't mean he'll let you alone. He will try to harass you and harass you so you don't take any others with you to heaven. If we're going to step out with the Lord into this mighty move of God's Spirit that is coming, that has begun in the world, we might as well know this up front. I don't like it any more than you do. But we may at some point in the future, if we haven't already, run into this scheme, into this strategy of the enemy. It may come against us. At least we won't be caught off guard. 1 Peter 4.12, and this passage is actually entitled Suffering for Being a Christian, which is what's happening to Stephen. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through as if something strange were happening to you. But I want to tell you something. It's so hard to bear up under injustice, under when someone's lying about you, and you know it's not true, and you can't prove it, and you can't get it through, because the damage is already done, and people have already listened to them. At that time, we need each other. 
Don't try and face that on your own. We need each other. Hopefully we never will have to face what Stephen is facing. Oh, sorry about that. And there's a chance that we might not. But to be forewarned is to be forearmed, right? You mean you guys can all watch what I'm doing here? Up on the screen. Okay, good. I don't want you to see me bumbling around here. So, hopefully, there's a chance we won't face this. But if we do, we have fair warning. Listen to the words of Jesus to his followers. He, followers, he warned them. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally, they will persecute you. See, they did the same thing to Jesus. They lied, to, lied about him. They called up all kinds of stories and false accusations. Here's the, the perfect, holy son of God. I mean, when they talk about us, at least, you know, there may be some truth in what they're saying. But when they talked about Jesus, there was no truth in it at all. And he had to bear up under that. And he did. It says he bore the contradiction of sinners against himself. And he kept, with eyes forward, pressing on to accomplish God's will in his life. Man, when you get, when you hit injustice and rumors and all that stuff, you just want to walk away. You just want to stay home. It's such a hard battle to fight. Has anybody ever been there and had to do that? Of course. The religious leaders did this to Jesus. Now they're doing it to his followers. On this and many other occasions, Jesus warned his disciples this would come. Stephen has been confronted. He's been arrested. He's brought before the council for telling others about Jesus. The things they're saying, he said, are lies. Why they really have him in there is because he's telling other people about Jesus. So we looked at the bad news. Well, we looked at good news, and we looked at the bad news. Now we're going back to good news. There's some principles here that we can take for ourselves just in case. There's some principles here we can take for ourselves. You know, in case we run into this. First bit of good news was in chapter 10. This is what you can expect if this happens to you and to me. None of them, that's his accusers, none of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen spoke. They were trying hard to oppose Stephen, but they could not match his wisdom and his power and his energy. That's all those Greek words in there, his wisdom and his power and his energy, given by the Spirit, of course. There were some promises of Jesus that were being evidenced right here, right here and now in Stephen's life. These are promises we can take for ourselves. When you are arrested, if you are arrested... Don't worry about how to respond. Don't worry about what to say. Easier said than done, but I'm going to explain something. When you're arrested, don't worry about how to respond or what to say. God will give you the right words at the right time. Do you believe that? There's where the breakdown comes. Do you believe that? Let's grab this principle. 
So repeat this after me. Those of you who are so inclined, I'll say a phrase, you say a phrase. Repeat this after me. I do not have to worry. God will give me the right words to say at the right time to say them. Now, Luke, so don't worry in advance about how to answer the charges against you. For I will give you the right words and such wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to reply or refute you. Wow, come on, that was a great place for an amen. Are you worrying about how you will handle the situations that we may face that may come up? Like Stephen, if, it arises, if something like that arises in your life, unfortunately, it is our tendency to do so. It's our tendency to worry about that. And we have plenty of reason to want to worry about that. We got unbelievers in our culture today, very militant unbelievers who are disagreeing and who are wanting to dispute us. We got family members and loved ones who want to do the same. We got government authorities coming after the church. Pastors arrested in Canada and London. One for preaching on marriage between a man and a woman is the biblical way. Unfortunately, we even got other professing believers coming against us these days. We might want to worry about what we're going to say when they come against us. How are we going to answer their charges? Have you ever given that any thought? Have you ever given that a lot of thought? <laughs> Carolyn has, by the way, just so your parents know back there, your spiritual child up here, she's been thinking about this. Well, Jesus said, don't worry about it. He said, don't fret about it. Don't stress about it. Everything we need will be given to us when we need it. Repeat after me again. Are you with me here? Everything I need will be given to me when I need it. Barry, what's the trick to like bringing that little screen down there? See, here's the promise. He will give us greater wisdom than their opponents, than our opponents. Greater wisdom. Man, I don't want to get excited about persecution because you know what I used to say about persecution. So I don't want to get excited about persecution, but I want to tell you something. The promises of Jesus at that time are fairly exciting. Greater wisdom. I want some of that. <laughs> I want some of that stuff. I'm saying this with bated breath, tongue in cheek. That's almost something to look forward to and to anticipate. They kind of, they kind of did. Here's the challenge, though. Can we really believe for it? That's the challenge for me. Can I really believe for it? If it's true, it's kind of almost exciting. But can I really believe for it? But here's, here's a, a tip, a practical tip for us. 
Don't try to formulate your response now. See, that's the problem with worrying about it and thinking about it. We try and formulate our response. Well, if he says this, I will say, and well, if that happens, then I'm going to. Who's responsible for it then if we carry it out that way? We are. But if we wait in faith and say, when I need it, then I'll have it. No worry, no stress. See, we don't need it now. That's why you can't right now think it through of what you're going to do or say because you don't need it now. You get grace for the moment. You live in grace for the moment. You think about yourself, what if I got arrested? There is no way I could handle that. Well, that's because I don't need to handle it right now. But when I do need to handle it, or if I ever do need to handle it, it's grace for the moment. The grace that I need at that moment will be there. That's hard to believe, but that's true. And what a freeing way to live if you can live like that. You can put to rest all of those fictitious conversations that you've been having in your head of what you're going to say when. Further good news from outside of this passage. God blesses you. This gets even more exciting. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you. When they say all sorts of evil things about you because you're my followers. Be happy about that. With the earthly mind, are you kidding me? Be happy about that. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. Wow, another great place for an amen. These are the words of Jesus to his followers. It's good news. It's the promise that if, when this happens to you, you will be mighty blessed of God when it happens. The verse we read in Peter about don't be surprised at the fiery trial that has come upon you as though something strange were happening. If you continue on, he says, but greatly rejoice at that time. And you know, we've always thought James was a little whacked. Count it great joy when this kind of stuff happens to you. But now we're starting to understand why and how he could say that. When you first heard that as a Christian, you're like, what? Count this pure joy? If and when we're ever faced with the kind of situation Stephen's facing, blessing is on the way. One further word, and it comes from verse 15, and it's more good news, and it's really beyond our human minds to grasp, but it's true. At this point, everyone in the high council was staring at Stephen. Why? Because his his face glowed as bright as an angel. Does that remind you of anybody in the Bible read recently? Moses coming down off the mountain. Spending that time with the Lord, his face glowed. The people couldn't even look at him. His face glowed with the glory. In the midst of this adverse situation that's facing Stephen, that Stephen was facing, he experienced a tremendous level of God's presence and God's glory. Conclusion. And Art, you can make your way up here to the mic if you would. We are on the cusp of a mighty work of God. We're on the cusp of a mighty move of his spirit. Please believe it. We say, well, you know what? I'll believe it when I see it. That's the way things work in the world. In the spiritual realm, when we believe it, we'll see it. Did you get that? 
I'll believe it when I see it. Mm. Better to say, when I believe it, I'll see it. We need to start believing for it. We're on the cusp of a mighty work of God, a move of his spirit. We may perhaps face some of these things that Stephen faced that we're looking at today and as we go through the rest of next will be chapter 7. Here's the bad news. We all want a spirit-filled life. Don't back off of that. But a spirit-filled life can stir up opposition. A spirit-filled life can sometimes harden hearts rather than soften them, unfortunately. The good news is, though, God will be fully with us. If you'll stand with me, the band, we can come forward, Sonny. Art's going to come, and he's going to lead us in prayer to close out the message. What a powerful message. Hmm. Could you please please bow your heads with me? Father, let the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, of my strength and my redeemer. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so, so much for this timely word for us as a body of believers. Thank you, Lord, that, that you are always with us, Lord. And thank you, Lord, that when, when observation comes, when things come against us, Lord, you said in your word that you would never leave us nor forsake us, that you would always be with us always, even unto the ends of the earth. And, Father, we know that the enemy is mad. He, he's mad right now because we love you so much and we want to serve you, Lord, that he tries to cause interruption in our walk with you, Lord, in the gifts that you have given each one of us to serve you in these last and evil days. Father, would you give us the grace to stand, and having done all to stand, stand, to never give in, to never give up, but to keep our eyes on you. For your word says the enemy is like a roaring lion. He goes around seeking whom he may devour. He has no love for us. And likewise, we have no love for him. So, Father, we just praise you and we ask, Lord, that as we listen to this word today, Father, that the Holy Spirit would just allow those seeds to to just grow in our hearts, Lord, and to grow in our spirits as we go forth this week, as we meditate upon your word, because your word is power in our lives. And, Lord, we can't do anything without your word in our lives. We need your word. We need one another. We... For your word says in Proverbs that Aaron sharpens Aaron. And that's why you put us together, Lord. And I thank you so gratefully and so graciously for that. Thank you for a body of believers who love one another. Who when we feel down that we can go to one another and we can share with one of our brothers and sisters. And that, Lord, that everything will turn out right because of you, Lord. Thank you for this loving family, Lord, that you have blessed us with. Thank you for a pastor who preaches the uncompromised word of God. Even though the enemy tried to throw some hitches in there, Lord, your word still got through because we receive it gladly. And we ask that you continue to bless that, Lord. We love you, Lord. And as we go through this week, help us to be true lights for you, Lord. To shine like the brightest shining sun unto an unshining day, Lord, that will shine forever that someone may see it and that 
they will desire your, you as their Savior, as their Lord, because of the light that they see in us, Father. And Lord, we don't have to worry about what we're going to say as the word was preached today. Right. Because in yeah. the hour that we need to say it, the Holy Spirit will just rise up yep. within our Help bellies us with and that, Lord. give us the words to say. And we can speak it in faith and confidence because of who you are in us. So, Father, thank you so much, so gracefully for this word today. We ask that you would bless it, that you would sanctify it. And, it's, and I know it's already sanctified, Father. And we see, receive it gladly today in the name of Jesus. We love you, Lord, and we praise you. Thank you for listening to our weekly message. To connect with us, visit our website at blesscolumbia.org.